new CBS Monday. Federal agents! Hands where we can see them! NCIS Hawaii is back. About to set it up! New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violent Island, you got here. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii, Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Good morning. It is Thursday, February 17th. You are listening to College Football Daily. I am your host, Lance Glenn. On today's episode, we are jumping back into our Across the Country with the College Football Daily series, this time talking about Kansas. But before we start, there are a few things I want to remind you about. First and foremost, if you did not listen to Tuesday's episode, the College Football Daily is going through some changes. Trey will no longer be hosting the podcast. Don't worry, he's not leaving 24-7 sports. And beginning this Monday, the College Football Daily is moving to a three-day-a-week format during this offseason. We will be bringing you fun, exciting, and engaging episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday and a rotating group of 24-7 sports personalities will be taking the reins as hosts. Also, I want to remind you that if you've missed any episodes of our Across the Country series, you can find them all wherever you get your podcasts, and you can also go to Spotify, search for the playlist Across the Country with the College Football Daily, and find every episode we have done so far. So as I mentioned, we will be talking about Rock Chalk Jayhawk today on the College Football Daily. And joining me now to break down Lance Lightbolt's program, he covers Kansas athletics for 247sportsfog.net, is Michael Swain. Michael, how are we doing? Thanks so much for coming on and giving me some time today. Yeah, doing well. Thank you much for having me. Excited to dive into it. So, Michael, I want to start, and we don't normally on the College Football Daily talk recruiting, but... There's something you just you need to explain to me. So far under Lance Leipold, you know, I was rummaging through the rankings for 2022. His first class, it was, I guess, sort of a transition year for him, right? He he came in in April, so he didn't really get much of the 2021 class. Uh, so I guess it was kind of a transition year 2022, but they only signed 14 guys, seven high schools, seven transfers. They were ranked 10th in the Big 12th, 121st in the country. Can you just, I guess, explain to me what's going on when it comes to recruiting with Kansas? You know, even if you do want to consider it a transition class for Lance Leipold, transition classes aren't usually that bad. Yeah. And I think to understand maybe the context of, you have to go back several years. David Beatty, who was the head coach before Les Miles, kind of contributed to the scholarship issues that Kansas had. He went really juco heavy uh, at the back half of his tenure, really trying to save his job. And when Les Miles came in, they really leaned into going high school and they went high school, high school, high school to try and get the scholarship issues fixed. And as a result, KU is super unbalanced with the scholarship numbers. And so KU last year, I believe, was one of the youngest power five teams in the country. And so what you saw this offseason was they're trying to get older. And so that's why you got the this, this seven transfers. They will add more transfers here in the spring. There are a few spots they're going to hit uh, most likely offensive line, defensive line, safety um, are, are really the big priorities. So for this first class, it was very much, can you get some more off, young offensive linemen in the program, get some more young defensive backs in the program, and then get a plug and play tight end. And that's what they did with the high school JUCO signees. And then with the transfers, they've really filled some of the gaps in the roster where you lose Kyron Johnson, um, their leading defensive end, you replace him with Lonnie Phelps. Um, you can even look at someone like Kai Thomas out of Minnesota, a running back who pairing him with Devin Neal is something that's pretty exciting for Kansas fans. And of course, Craig Young, an elite athlete out of Ohio State to help at the linebacker position too. So I think this first cycle is very much about, hey, can we plug some holes in the roster and then allow 2023 to kind of be your more traditional recruiting class? So Michael, I want you to put yourself in the shoes 
of a long-suffering Kansas Jayhawks fan, which look, hey, we were talking before we press record and, and it seems like you might be a long-suffering Kansas Jayhawks football fan having gone, obviously, to college there. So 2-10 and 10 is obviously a season no one wants to go through, even when it's a rebuild. But let's imagine you walk out of Memorial Stadium after a tough 34-28 loss to West Virginia to end last season. As you're walking to your car, looking back on the year, the highs and lows of it, how are you feeling about the future of the program under Lance Leipold? Did you see enough in beating Texas, you know, losing close to Oklahoma, some more tough losses as well, to have any sense of optimism moving forward? Or are you still in, I guess, kind of wait and see mode? Let's see what happens in 2022. Definitely probably more on the optimistic side. I think you look in general, right? The Texas win gets you a lot of uh, leniency, maybe in terms of the the mood around the fan base. Um, that's a really big win. And anytime you can beat Texas, particularly on the road for your first Big 12 win in, in several, several years, I think that's massive. But I think what you can also look at is over the back half of the season, KU is really competitive. You know, you, you have a one score game against TCU, a one score game against West Virginia. I think that's what you have to look at, where maybe early in the season, you know, they had that Oklahoma game that was close, but outside of that, it was a lot of, a lot of blowouts when big 12 play started. So over the course of the season, what you could be encouraged by, I think is the development and in under past coaching staffs, I think you could say development maybe wasn't a strength, but with this light Lance Leipold coaching staff, they clearly are really good developers. And these guys over the course of the season improved week over week in terms of certain positions. So, and the thing you have to keep in mind too, right, is they didn't have spring football. They came in and their first time working with these guys on the field was fall camp. So now you get a spring to work with them, develop a fall, a fall camp. So I think in general, it's encouraged, but I think looking ahead, you're looking to be more competitive now in each individual game in 2022. So the Big 12, right, when it comes to teams incoming and teams outgoing is obviously the conference that was affected most by realignment. Texas, Oklahoma, they'll eventually be out. Houston, BYU, UCF, and Cincinnati, they'll eventually come in. Do you believe that the new Big 12 helps or hurts Kansas football? You know, look, maybe it doesn't affect them at all. I don't know. But I would assume that taking out Oklahoma and Texas, the two I was recruiting powers in the conference, I think every team remaining must gain something at least, right? 100%. It seems like the overall uh, quality of the teams becomes a lot more condensed, where I think if you're looking long-term here, I think the Big 12 year in and year out will probably be the most exciting conference in terms of just the race, because the gap between a BYU, a Cincinnati, once they get to the Big 12, um, it seems like Cincinnati, you know, Iowa State, TCU will probably be kind of near the top, Oklahoma State and Baylor as well. But I think for KU, it, it definitely helps because you don't have to play the Oklahomas and the Texases. And if you look at the recruiting rankings and the talent, right, you're going to be a lot closer to the teams you're playing against week in and week out. So I think it bodes well for KU in terms of just being competitive within the conference. And I think, you know, maybe getting ahead of myself here, but if you look multiple years down the road, you let Lance Leipold kind of develop and get multiple recruiting classes. And you look at what they did at Buffalo, where you make that program a top 25 program. You got to be encouraged, I think, for just the long term, not saying KU is going to win the Big 12, but maybe make a bowl game, be more competitive, make it fun. I think that's kind of the end goal here, at least in the short term. And long term, you know, who knows, right? The Big 12 will consistently change. Matt Campbell could leave Iowa State. Luke Fickle could leave Cincinnati. I mean, so many things could happen in the long term view. But I think at least in the short term, I think it helps KU and it makes it more competitive and more feasible to get to that six win mark. We'll talk more Kansas football with Michael Swain when we come back. New CBS Monday. NCIS. Here's where we can see them. NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases. Double tap to the chest, one to the head. These guys are professionals. All new criminals. Violent island, you got here. Walk to paradise. And all new crimes to be solved. If you're watching, these have been arrested. What are the charges? Just one. 
murder. New NCIS and NCIS Hawaii, Monday starting at 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy. Back with Michael Swain of 247sportsfog.net talking Kansas football. So first, I want to preface this by saying, look, my goal throughout this podcast has not been to rip on Kansas football. <laughs> and, and my goal my goal for the remaining podcast is not to rip on Kansas football. Look, I, I went to Rutgers. I'm a big Scarlet Knights fan, so I clearly have nothing to brag about, first and foremost. And, and in fact, the last time Rutgers and Kansas played, which, look, surprisingly, oh, yeah. you know, wasn't that long ago. I think it was three or four years ago, who would have thought Rutgers and Kansas playing four years ago, but the last time they played Kansas won pretty handily. So for any Jayhawks fan listening, I promise I'm not just trying to destroy the program. That is hundred percent, not my goal to do. But anyway, I, you know, I asked a similar question coming up now to Adam Rowe, who covers Duke football for the devil's den.com 24 seven sports Duke site. So like Kansas, obviously a basketball school and fans are going to gravitate towards that program. I'm sure a lot, frankly, don't even bother with the football program. So as Lance Leipold does try and rebuild Kansas football, what can he do to try and, and not necessarily get people to switch from basketball to football? Cause we know that's not going to happen, but to at least build up some interest and excitement with the program heading into year two. Yeah. I'll be honest. I think that KU football fans in general are very passionate. And I think there are a lot of KU football fans, but when you look at the way things have happened since the 2007 season, you know, they've been beaten down a lot. And I think a lot of it has maybe turned into a little bit of apathy at times, especially under David Beatty there at the end when the fan support um, was very minimal. And I think what you're doing now is you're trying to find some uh, some sort of hope. And I, what I look at is that 2019 season um, when KU, I think it was maybe three or four wins that year, there was a game where they didn't sell out Memorial Stadium, but it was darn full and the, and the most full I had seen the stadium um, and as long as I've been paying attention to KU football. And so I think it shows that fans will show out if you're good and you're competitive. And so I I think if you look at this upcoming season, can you show that week in and week out? Because right now, I think there is some excitement around the program. Obviously, the win over Texas gets fans excited. It creates national tension. And I think that that inherently will get people interested in taking a peek at what's going on with KU. And I think if you can start the season, not 3-0, and because I think you, you have a tough game there at Houston, but if you can start season 2-1 and and be competitive in some early Big 12 games, I think you lend yourself to getting more fan support. And I think over the course of the season, if you can week in and week out, put a good product out there, which has not been the case at times, I think you're going to be able to find more and more fans who are willing to come back because again, KU fans are very passionate and they want the football team to be good. And if that 2007 season showed us anything, it's that they can sell out Memorial Stadium. They can pack the hill right behind the stadium, which creates a, a really cool atmosphere on TV in the stadium. So I think in general, it's going to take them being competitive, but I think there's reason to believe that, you know, KU fans will show up if the team is winning or at least competing week in, week out. 
And, you know, I mentioned, obviously, I asked that same question to Adam Rowe, who covers Duke and obviously Kansas and Duke meeting this season. I know it's a game that Duke has circled, as he mentioned to me uh, last week, and I'm sure it's a game that Kansas uh, has circled as well as one that both teams could come away victorious. So, Michael, I'll let you go on this one. You know, I, I said earlier the record of two and 10 in year one, but definitely some moments, obviously, to build on. Of course, Leipold still rebuilding the program, and even in year two, expectations are going to be low. But are there any boxes he has to check next season? You know, while while expectations are still low, is there a, I guess, a level he has to reach or anything he has to achieve to look at 2022 as successful? Yeah, I think I've used this word a lot, but competing. Can you be in one score games? I think that for me is the big thing. I've said this before, but you're not going to expect KU to go to four, five, six wins. Some fans might think that because of the way the transfers have worked out where you had one of the best transfer classes in the country at one point. But I think, can you be competitive? Can you play in one score games? Because I think if you look at the Big 12 and you look at what Baylor was last year, what Iowa State was the year before, the teams that make it to the Big 12 title game are the teams that win one score games. And can you for Kansas, can you go from being a team that does not play in hardly any one-score games to playing in a bunch of them? Because over the course of a season, you play in a bunch of one-score games. The balance is going to go your way at least one time, maybe not two. So I think for this season, can you get to two? three wins, but be really competitive in games. And then look to that 2023 season. Once all these transfers have a full, two full off seasons and a full season on the field. Um, I think I'm looking at that being the the season where KU can maybe get past that, that four win mark. But I think for this season upcoming, just beat Tennessee Tech, start the season, beat Duke at home. We'll see what happens with Houston, but then maybe win one big 12 game. I think that should be the expectation. Three wins, I think is about where it should be, but can you just week in a week out, put a competitive product out there? I think that'll go a long way and showing KU's on the right track. That'll help on the high school recruiting trail, especially with a lot of the local kids that KU has spent a lot of time recruiting. So I think that's probably where I'm at with the expectations. I'm not expecting a huge turnaround, you know, four or five, six wins, but hey, get three wins, be competitive. And I think things will be going in the right direction. Well, look, even if it was only three wins, there certainly seems to be a little bit more optimism in the air surrounding this Kansas program than there was, let's say, two, three years ago. You can follow him on Twitter at mswain247, covering Kansas athletics for 24-7 sports, fog.net. Michael, really appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for hopping on. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. Enjoyed it. Remember, starting Monday, the college football daily moves to three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday as we push through this offseason. For Michael Swain, I am Lance Glenn. Have a good Thursday, everyone, and thanks for listening to another episode of the College Football Daily. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost... Everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.